It was a bitter cold day in New York, colder even than you are now. I was walking on Fifth Avenue and I was admiring Lord and Taylor's Christmas windows when I saw him. He was wearing many layers of clothes, all of them ragged. He was dirty and he smelled. He was muttering to himself. And I looked down and I saw that he was barefoot. It was 10 degrees outside and the sidewalk was rough and this man was barefoot. As he walked past me and those around me, I heard a collective gasp. The sight of him began a frantic dialogue in my head. I have to do something. Is it safe to approach him? Should I buy him shoes? How would I know what size? Maybe I could bring him into Lord and Taylor with me. Would they let me in with him? Would he just turn around and sell the shoes and use the money for God knows what? And all the time these questions were swirling in my head, I kept on walking, getting further and further away from him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And on that cold day, right in front of beautiful Christmas decorations celebrating the birth of the Savior, I saw Christ suffering and I kept on walking. Now, I'm not the first person to ignore someone suffering and I'm sure I won't be the last. Today's scripture reading reminds us that this has always been a problem. The first letter of John was written to people in the first century who confessed that Jesus was Lord and yet somehow were not following his great command to love one another as he had loved them. We heard in verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We only have to look to Jesus on the cross and we know what love is. It's not love as an emotion, it's love as an action. The Greek word that he uses here is agape. It's a love that is selfless, that is fearless, and is solely for the benefit of the other. It's not dependent on feelings or on the worth of the recipient. This is the kind of love that Jesus showed when he touched the untouchables, when he befriended outcasts, when he healed the sick, and when he brought marginalized people back into community. It's a love that was intimate, highly personal, and very, very costly. And that kind of love is a precious gift. And verse 16 goes on to show us that it is a gift we are to share. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. He calls them brothers. And when he does that, John is reminding us that we are already connected by family bonds to people in need. We're already in relationship with them, even if we don't know it. And because they are family, we are to show them this Jesus kind of love just as Jesus showed it to us. 
Something remarkable happens when we do this. Of course, the person in need is helped, and that's a very good thing. But something else goes on. When we bless others in this way, we will be blessed with the joy that comes from drawing closer and closer to Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says it this way in chapter 58. He says, if you offer food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. When we show this Jesus kind of love to our brothers and sisters, we're giving them a gift, certainly, but we're also receiving one. Continual nourishment, fruitfulness, and a deeper fellowship with the Lord. This sounds really good, so why don't we do it? John goes on in verse 17 and he says this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You have to ask yourself, why would a follower of Jesus close her heart to someone in need? Well, when I've been thinking about this, I, I came up with several obstacles that get in our way of caring for the brothers and sisters. They are possessiveness, paralysis, and self-protection. Possessiveness. A closed heart keeps things in. We treasure our relationship with Jesus, and we should, but sometimes we can guard it a little too jealously. Sometimes we can forget that the love Jesus showed to us is meant to flow to us, certainly, but then through us. Flowing water gives life. When water is dammed up, it becomes stagnant, and it's ultimately of no use to anyone. God's love cannot truly live within us, and it cannot truly nourish us if we just keep it to ourselves. And we come to paralysis. Your heart can be open and yet still not act. That's what happened to me when I saw that shoeless man. I wasn't indifferent. I was paralyzed. Have you ever felt this way? When you come face to face with suffering, we can feel overwhelmed and inadequate and we just keep on walking. Maybe you're wondering, as I do sometimes, well, if I can't fix the problem, why should I just put a Band-Aid on it? That's just a temporary solution. The question that springs up from this is a, a, a serious misunderstanding of what God is really asking of us. Sometimes we think that in asking us to feed the hungry, God is asking us to solve hunger. We think that in asking us to clothe the naked, he's expecting us to eliminate poverty. And we know we can't do either of those things. But this is not what he expects. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, God warns that while he expects people to care for each other, quote, there will never cease to be some need in the earth, 
In Matthew 26, Jesus says something similar. He says, the poor you will have with you always. These scriptures are a sobering reminder that we live in a very broken world that will only be healed when Jesus returns and God's perfect kingdom is restored. And still, knowing that restoration is not ours to give, we still are called to love as a foretaste, as a sign pointing towards that kingdom. Understanding this is quite liberating. It removes from us the impossible burden of thinking that God expects us, or me, to single-handedly fix what are problems of a sinful world. Here's the thing that I've learned since that cold day in New York City. Regardless of the outcome, every act of love is sufficient in and of itself. No matter what happens, no matter if the problem is permanently fixed or not, every act of love is holy and sufficient in and of itself. You see, God is in charge of eternity. We're just responsible for today. And then there's self-protection. This obstacle to an open heart is likely because we close our hearts to protect them from pain. If you pay attention at all, the sin and suffering of this world will break your heart. And so sometimes we protect ourselves by serving from a distance. We write that check and we think we're done. Now, let me just say, I'm not discouraging people from writing checks. <laughs> Actually, you know, when we give to institutions that you know, address a lot of these issues of poverty and hunger, we're helping serve on a larger scale. So I don't discourage that. And if someone right now feels moved to write a check to the missions fund, that would be a really good thing. But I digress. Sometimes we protect our hearts by looking for rules that, are, that will give us an excuse for not acting. Sometimes we're like the lawyer in the parable of the Good Samaritan who asks Jesus, well, just who is my neighbor? He really wants to know what the rules are. He wants to know that he only has to give to the deserving poor. He wants to know if God really expects him to run into the shoe department of Lord and Taylor with a homeless man in tow. But Jesus doesn't give rules. Instead, he just says, just don't close your heart. Just don't close your heart. And I'll show you where and when and how to love. One day, that might mean giving money to the homeless person you see. The next day, it might mean just sitting with someone who is suffering. And the day after that, it could be working for justice in our communities and in our world. So does this text mean I have to give to everyone I encounter? The answer is, it depends. If you are attuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will know what is yours to do and you'll be given the grace to do it. We're hindered by possessiveness and paralysis and self-protection. They're obstacles to opening our heart.
But the good news is they can be overcome. And I know this because I saw my homeless brother again. Only this time it wasn't on the street. It was on the front page of the New York Times. There he was in a photo with a New York City police officer. The officer was kneeling at his feet, helping him put on the new boots he had just bought to cover his shoeless feet. Perhaps some of you remember this picture. It went viral. Hundreds of people saw this man sitting on the sidewalk without any shoes on, but only one had an open heart. I don't know if this officer was a Christian, but I do know that at that moment, the Jesus kind of love lived in him and flowed through him. For a brief moment on a sidewalk in Times Square, the world saw what it looked like when someone loved like Jesus. Amen. So we ask ourselves, how do we remove these obstacles? How do we become more like that police officer? Well, if we want to love like Jesus, we have to live like Jesus. First of all, Jesus prayed. First, last, and always, he prayed. And that let him be constantly filled and refilled with the love of the Father. He relied on the Holy Spirit to open his heart to see, to see the needs of the brothers and sisters, to see who it was he was calling to love. You know, that shoeless man was not the first homeless person I ever saw, but he was the first one who broke my heart. I'm a native New Yorker, and I was taught to look away, hold tight to my purse, and keep moving. But this day was different. This day, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes, and I saw my brother suffering. And it's true that that day I didn't act, but seeing was the first step. Jesus called on the Holy Spirit to allow him to be obedient to the will of the Father in spite of fatigue or fear or discouragement that he experienced in his humanity. You know, sometimes you know, we think, well, I can't be like Jesus. He was God. That's true. But he was also fully human. And in his humanity, he experienced all of the things that we experience. When we sang our offertory today, I thought, this is perfect. But my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on my wall. My fear doesn't stand a chance. Jesus was also exquisitely sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. And this allowed him to know exactly what God wanted him to do in any given situation. And finally, when he loved people who were in need, he acted in humility and in solidarity with them, not from a position of superiority. This spirit that enabled Jesus to do all these things is available to us. It can show us how to serve and who to serve and remove impediments to acting. The last verse in our reading today says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed 
and in truth. And this is how Jesus loved us, indeed, and in truth. He wasn't possessive about the love within him. He poured it out freely. He wasn't paralyzed by the enormity of the world's suffering. Every one of his actions pointed the way to God and the hope of restoration and reconciliation that can be found in him alone. He didn't protect himself from the world's suffering, but instead he willingly entered into it right up to death on a cross. And he did all of this so that we might be reconciled to God and live with joy in his presence now and forever. And this Jesus kind of love changes us. Although it's not literally true, I was once ragged and wandering and shoeless, unable to help myself out of my misery. And then, just like the prodigal son who returned home, Jesus put shoes on my feet, and he replaced my rags with the finest robes. His love and his mercy filled my heart to overflowing so full that I couldn't stop it from flowing out if I tried. This Jesus kind of love opens our eyes to see our brothers and sisters in need. It opens our hearts, and it gives us everything we need to love them like Jesus does. It allows us to give and to be continually refilled. It's a beautiful mystery, actually. And that allows us to draw closer to God with every act of love. I want you to picture this. When we allow Jesus, Jesus' love to flow through us, we act in love. And when we act in love, we draw closer to him. And having drawn closer, we have the capacity to love more. And loving more, to know him better. And on and on in a beautiful spiritual spiral reaching towards eternity. Amen. May it be so.